Chapter Twenty One of A King in Babylon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Ellen Preckle. A King in Babylon by Burton Egbert Stevenson. Chapter Twenty One. He was as good as his word. Whatever he was after that malign, demoniac, possessed, I'm sure that not for one instant was he afraid. Right up to the end of the chapter he carried a brave front, even a reckless one, perhaps in the final hour when he found himself alone. Next morning, while Davis and two or three of the natives were chipping away at the cemented lid of the sarcophagus of Sekenyan Ray, we made a remake of the discovery of the mummy, and Jimmy went through the whole gruesome program without a shiver. The mummy was lifted through the hole, and then Jimmy entered, while Creel, again in khaki, in the character of first assistant explorer, posed the natives with the invaluable assistance of Mustafa. The scene, of course, was to follow immediately the one that we had taken the day before, when Jimmy entered the tomb, and the audiences that viewed the picture would never suspect the exciting events which had occurred between. Creel got everything ready at last, and gave me the signal, and I started cranking, and then he went forward and peered through the hole, and then he backed away, and Jimmy appeared in the opening, with the mummy in his arms. He held it closely, even lovingly, and as he passed it out to Creel and Mustafa, he cast a glance which I can only describe as exultant at Mademoiselle Roland, who was waiting, attired in her harem costume, to do the vision. Her attitude was one of calm detachment, as though the proceedings rather bored her, but Jimmy's eyes were shining, as though he had somehow won a great victory. Then the mummy was laid on the ground, and he went through the business of staring down at it, and tumbling in a faint but he didn't do it half so convincingly as he had the day before. I don't mean to say he didn't do it well. Jimmy was too good an actor to do anything badly, but his performance lacked the gripping, hair-raising reality which it had possessed before. Then it had given me the shivers. Now I watched it quite unconcerned. It wasn't till Mademoiselle Roland came forward to do the double exposure that I saw how pale she was. Creel noticed it, too. "'Aren't you well?' he asked. "'Oh, yes, thank you. I am quite well,' she answered and took her place on the sand. For heaven's sake, don't you get to falling over. Do not fear. I am not of that sort. And she smiled up at him, much as she was supposed to smile up at Jimmy. Creel stood looking down at her for a moment with a puzzled face. Perhaps it was the jibe at Jimmy which puzzled him. Then he turned away abruptly. All right, Billy, he said, and I made the double exposure just as I had the first time. Then we did a short scene of four natives carrying away the unconscious Jimmy, while the girl, materializing apparently out of the body of the mummy, sat up and leered after him in triumph, and heavens, the way she did it! Then, as the sun had grown uncomfortably hot, we went over to the oasis and gathered up Ma Creel and Molly, and did two or three fillers with the palms and the native camp as backgrounds, and finally Creel dismissed us with the injunction to be ready at three o'clock in oriental costume. I knew that he was going to do the burying alive scene, the biggest scene of the film, upon which its success would very largely depend, and I soon realized that he was nervous over it, for he actually came and asked me for advice, me, the cameraman, as I was putting away my box. I don't half like the idea of those natives handling the princess, he said, especially in that harem rig. You remember how they looked at her. Do they have to handle her? I asked. Well, naturally there has to be a struggle she's not going to let herself be put inside that tomb without a fight of course from the picture point of view the more brutal the fight is the better i'm afraid it will get too brutal if we had some swords or spears but creel shook his head impatiently that wouldn't do she'd throw herself on the spears rather than be buried alive anybody would no 
She's got to be handled roughly, damn roughly. This is the big scene, and we've got to put it over. What the king would really have done would be to have had his men strip her naked and lash her with whips into the tomb. We can't go that far, of course, but we've got to get as close to it as we dare. You'd better find out how much the princess will stand for, I suggested. Oh, I'm not afraid of that. She's an artist. She'll stand for whatever is necessary. Digby can do most of it with Mustafa to help. I think we can trust Mustafa. If that isn't enough, I'll have to put it on a coat of bronze myself. Come along. Let's look over the ground. You don't mind the sun, do you? No, I said. I seem to be sunproof. And Creel summoned Digby, and together we walked over to the excavation. The natives had knocked off work, but Mustafa routed out a couple for us, and under Creel's direction the entrance to the tomb was squared up, and the stones to fill the opening were piled up neatly close at hand. We'll have to have something for mortar, said Creel. Black mortar like that in the wall. Sand and water will do, said Digby. I can darken it with some lamp black. All right, Creel agreed. You didn't forget those trowels, did you? Sure not, said Digby, who never forgot anything. There's one place up there where the masonry's broken. You'd better have that repaired, Mustafa, and then have the whole front of the tomb scrubbed off so that it will look clean and new, and sweep up all this debris. I want it to look as it did four thousand years ago when it was first built. Very good, sir, said Mustafa, and sent a native off for the brooms and water. This stone with the oval in it, Creel added, will be the last one in, the seal, as it were, closing up the tomb. You want to do some figuring, Digby, so that it will fit in properly. Do you know anything about masonry? I know enough to pull off this job, Digby assured him. I'll pile up the stones the way they go. It ought to be easy then. That's right, Creel agreed, and of course if you get stuck, we can stop camera. And get your props ready, Digby. We'll want the whole outfit, you know, to make the scene as impressive as possible. And get the sand cleaned off those steps, Mustafa. I want to take one scene there. If we had a strip of carpet... I've got one, said Digby. I put it in on the chance we'd need it. Good for you. Lay it from the steps over to the tomb, and spread some rugs here for the king to stand on. It wouldn't hurt to rig up a square of painted canvas for a shelter. All right, said Digby, and hurried away to carry out these multifarious instructions. I don't know what I'd do without Digby, said Creel, looking after him. Then he turned back to the tomb. Come along, let's see what the professor's doing. I hadn't seen Davis all morning. He had risen ahead of all of us, and had been too busy since to waste any time watching our performance. I knew what he was at, for intermittently I had caught the sound of his chisels chipping at the sarcophagus. Now, as we climbed through the hole, the sound became clearer and louder. If he does find a coffin in that thing, he'll have to tear this wall down before he can get it out, Creel remarked as we squeezed through the narrow passage into the corridor. Gracious, but it's hot in here, he added, and indeed the atmosphere was more stifling than I had ever felt it. I don't see how Davis stands it. Look at him working like a slave. He was crouched beside the sarcophagus, in a position which must have been acutely uncomfortable, and hammering away at the cement by the light of a torch held by one of the natives. He paused to wipe away perspiration as we came in, saw us, and greeted us cheerfully. "'I'll have it open by evening,' he said, and showed us where the adamantine cement had been chiseled away for about half the length of the lid. "'This is certainly the hardest stuff I ever tackled.' Three natives were helping him, and the impact of their chisels was of steel on steel." "'I'm going to do the burying alive scene this afternoon,' said Creel, "'and we'll have to wall up that hole out there for a few minutes. "'But I guess you won't suffocate.' "'No, of course not,' Davis agreed. "'Go ahead. "'Also, I'll have to use about all the natives. "'All right. "'I can't use them in here.' "'And he bent again to his task. "'Creel watched him for a moment curiously. "'You really expect to find a mummy in there?' he asked. 
a mummy yes and much more said davis between blows i hope to prove whether the book of genesis is true or false creel whistled softly come along billy he said we'd better be off about our picayune affairs this is too big for us davis answered with a short laugh it is big he agreed too big i suppose continued creel to permit your stopping for lunch is it time for lunch and davis looked up in surprise it is almost noon davis straightened his back slowly laid his hammer and chisel regretfully on top of the sarcophagus and mopped the sweat from his face i might have guessed it by the heat he said and dismissed the natives who scampered off with an alacrity which showed that they at least had not been oblivious to the passage of time and the pangs of hunger i didn't realize how tired i was he added this sort of work takes it out of a fellow it's a mistake to overdo it yes it is agreed creel it is a mistake to overdo anything you think you'll be ready to open that thing to-night yes there is only four or five hours more work on it and after that you're going to tear down that door with the keep out sign on it yes and davis cast an amused glance toward the symbol of warning cut in the farther wall creel hesitated a minute you haven't seen any more ghosts he asked at last in a tone he tried vainly to render merely casual i haven't seen any at all snapped davis i never saw a ghost i don't believe in them neither do i said creel slowly at least i didn't think i did but yesterday do you really believe someone knocked that torch out of your hand davis demanded did billy tell you that asked creel and cast me a reproachful glance as a matter of fact i don't know what happened at the time i would have sworn that it was knocked out of my hand and there was an ugly welt across my knuckles to prove it but i've thought about it a good deal since and of course it does seem absurd perhaps i did knock my hand against something though what i could have knocked it against beats me i was standing right here you can see for yourself i wasn't within reach of anything he stopped suddenly his eyes on the floor for davis with a sardonic smile had turned the ray of his torch upon a jagged fragment of stone which lay almost at his feet a stone which would weigh four or five pounds and then he pointed his torch toward the roof and we saw the hole from which the fragment had fallen there's your ghost he said dryly no wonder it raised a welt creel stared at the stone a moment longer then he stooped and picked it up and weighed it in his hand and examined its sharp edges finally he cast it away into a corner of the tomb no doubt you are right he agreed and i suppose i seem an awful fool to you nevertheless there is one thing i want to say and it is this i understand in a dim way what you hope to find in this sarcophagus it's a big thing a tremendous thing worth running some risk for what risk demanded davis i don't know but i feel somehow that there is a risk rubbish davis broke in even if there were do you suppose i no i don't said creel and i wouldn't ask you to i would take it myself in fact before you raise the lid i hope you will invite me to be present all right i will davis agreed but what is it you're driving at what i'm driving at is this said creel speaking with visible effort i feel somehow that the risk you run in opening this sarcophagus great as it is isn't a thousandth part of the risk you'll take if you tear down that door back yonder davis stared at him nonsense man he cried you're not developing a case of nerves too oh jimmy has got over his said creel you should have seen him this morning hugging that mummy quite as if he liked it no it isn't nerves it is something deeper what do you expect to find behind that door i don't know answered davis but i do know one thing and it is this 
there is something there something unusual something terrible perhaps that sign was never used without good reason no egyptian would dare disregard it ah you see creel began but i am not an egyptian davis broke in i am a scientist i have left those old superstitions behind me that sign instead of warning me away lures me on i am determined to see what is behind that door his eyes were shining with excitement creel gazed into them a moment without speaking i see he said at last i dare say i should feel the same way in your place well let's go to lunch and he turned away toward the corridor end of chapter twenty one